All right, welcome back to the Creator Club podcast. I hope you're having a great week. You're here with John Marsh. And if you're a coach or creative business owner, this is your show to learn the key skills to attract dream clients into your business, to grow your business, and to build confidence. Today on the show, we've got a really great conversation with Amelia Cardillo from Cardillo Law. Amelia is a lawyer who specializes in small business. In the show, we talk about Amelia's own journey into her business and the work that she does. We also talk about the value of working with a lawyer in small business and how that can help you most powerfully. Let's jump into the conversation. You're here with John Marsh and this is the Creator Club podcast. I feel like my story about deciding to do law is very boring. Like it was something that I decided when I was probably in year seven that I wanted to be a lawyer without any real rhyme or reason to it. And then it just stuck. So thankfully, when I did uni, I didn't hate it entirely and then managed to work. Um, I always kind of wanted to do that lawyer work. I didn't want to be an academic or I guess use my law degree for other jobs. Um, So I, but once I got into private practice, I had no idea what type of law I wanted to practice. Um, And luckily I was in a big enough firm that they did have a lot of different areas that I could get experience in. And most of that just came about for me being kind of a yes person and putting my hand up for different opportunities and um, wanting to give things a go to see what fit. But it did probably take a couple of years for me to find the right area of law Um, At one point, I was really um, focused on doing the commercial litigation side, so dispute work, going to court. Um, I was doing a lot of, yeah, advocacy, working with barristers, and I actually thought that's where I wanted to end up because I was enjoying, uh, I enjoyed that um, court appearances and that side of it. But the dispute work can be hard as well because you're dealing with clients who, they're in a really tough time in their business. Um, It's very stressful. So you know, it's not, I didn't think that that was going to be maybe sustainable long-term. And then, yeah, the the business law side of it was, again, I just had an opportunity to try out some of that work in early my career. I said, yes. And it was almost like all the things that I liked about my job clicked much better, Um, clicked a lot more into place when I was doing the front end work which we kind of call it the front end transaction type of work um so yeah I think working with businesses at beginning stages of not just their business but at the beginning stage of whether they're hiring employees or they're wanting to you know sell their products overseas or um just getting clients and wanting to have contracts for that it was much more kind of what I wanted to do because I could see that it was helping those businesses kind of bridge a gap between what they did really well, which is running a business and the skills that I had as a lawyer in, you know, understanding the law and interpreting the law for them. So it was kind of a happy accident that I fell into business law. Um, But when you're working in a corporate environment in private practice, there wasn't, you know, there's a lot of kind of barriers for people to get that advice, you know, Um, A lot of firms still do time recording, which can be quite expensive in terms of fee estimates for people to actually Mm -hmm. make that first step. 
So, you know, when I decided to start my own business, I did want to help businesses that might not have thought that they could engage a lawyer. Mm. Um, so even though I'm still doing that business law, I think the type of clients that I work with in my own business compared to my past corporate private practice life are very different as well. Yeah. And so you got to, from what I'm hearing, basically sample the different areas of law. The, did you, did you call it disputes when you're working with disputes? Man, I, that, I would have imagined that would be quite hard, huh? Like a lot of like people are coming in, you've got like something you're dealing with already and then you're trying to sit in as the professional in between. Yeah, I found, and it was funny because I, I'm a quite empathetic type person. Like I do, um, you know, people are, when they are going through a dispute, it is really tough. So I was, you know, trying to be empathetic um, and also, yeah, maintain that professionalism I think when I was doing the dispute work, the part that really drew me to that area was um, you get to really research the law a lot because you're trying to kind of build a case um, and actually appearing in court and all of the procedures that go along with evidence and things like that was actually quite fascinating. But I felt like it was hard to maintain, not maintain empathy, but I actually found it, yeah, quite draining to... Mm support clients through that and you know because I didn't want to just treat people like a number and you know just say okay well this is this is your case take it or leave it it was you know you're trying to get it and outcomes for people and manage their expectations because court is such an unknown for a Mm. lot of people and a lot of the outcomes are outside of their control so um, I think having that wanting to work with clients but yeah I guess I felt myself getting a bit too caught up in the emotion sometimes yeah yeah that's what I was thinking it would be Mm. it would be quite intense so when you decided to go out onto your own from it's cool it sounds really cool that you got that opportunity to almost sample the the business or small business then you decided to go out onto your on your own and focus on business law and small business what was that like for you you know what was it like to take a plunge were you do you see yourself as you know I guess business minded and so it was natural or was it scary or were you supported in that what was that sort of shift like because it's a you know it's a decent jump to do your own thing from as opposed to under the umbrella of another company yeah it was really hard to make that decision I, I knew that I wanted to do it because as much as you know I'm a lawyer and that's my job title. There was a lot of things about private practice that didn't sit comfortably with me in terms of the structures that are in place. Um, And I wanted to do things a bit differently. And there's lots of law firms popping up now that are, you know, breaking away from traditional practices. And I just felt like the way that I wanted to show up for clients and practice law I would not be able to achieve in a private practice just because of, you know, the structure that you're in. It's just, it wasn't going to really, I wasn't ever going to feel, I guess, satisfied with the control that I had over the decision-making. And so I I was kind of left with this decision of, well, if that's what I really want to make out of my career, I'm going to have to make this leap of faith. Mm -hmm. 
and there's never a right time to do that. It was, um, you know, I wasn't taking, and I, I didn't want to take any existing clients. Like I wanted to start this thing from scratch, as crazy as that sounds, because I wanted to attract people that had the same kind of values that I did. Um, and they weren't doing their business in traditional ways either. They were either online or, um, you know, doing industries that aren't traditional industries. Um, so it was almost like, well, if that's the kind of career that I want to build for myself, I had to take that jump. Mm -hmm. um, but I definitely took a long time to actually, well, you know, I think everyone says that. They feel like you could have made the decision earlier, but um, the right time came and I finally decided to do it. Um, and I think that, it, yeah, it was it was hard because I did want to try a lot of new things, but I'm still doing it. I haven't yeah. regretted the decision yet. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's very cool. So tell us a little bit about the types of businesses. I know a couple of the businesses you've worked with and there's a certain, uh, you know, orientation or, or mental, there's a certain way of being that they have a certain, it's a certain, you know, I don't want to say impact business or anything like that, because it could come off a little bit cliched, but they they seem to be quite positive people and, and um, positively minded business owners from what I've seen. Could you mm. maybe talk about who you love to work with and then we could talk a little bit about how you specifically help them and what that journey looks like. Yeah, I think most of you know most of the people that I work with are in um, they're either a solo business owner or they might have a small team, so they don't always even have you know commercial premises. They work from home or remotely with a team, um, and they mostly service based business. So you know it kind of works aligns really well with what I do because helping other people and the people that I'm working with their job is to help other people um, whether it's a coach or they're in health the health industry or business services you know VAs or graphic designers illustrators photographers they're all providing services to their own clients um, as well so you know it's nice to kind of have that meeting of the minds in a sense that they're really passionate about helping their clients, which is how I feel about my mm -hmm. job as well. Um, and I think that they, I think everyone's very much, there's kind of no ego attached to it as well is that, you know, they just want to be able to provide the best service for their clients. And um, hopefully I can kind of break down some of the stereotypes associated with getting legal advice or how that kind of works. Mm. I'd love to talk about that a little bit. Actually, you mentioned earlier on that a lot of lawyers will still use, I think you called it the, like a time clock. Time recording. Yeah. Yep. I couldn't think of anything more stressful. Like if I was <laughs> going to hire someone and I hear them say hello and I at the same time, I hear like a ding, <laughs> it, would, it would drive me nuts. So I love that. Um, could you talk a little bit about, you know, so that decision, like it seems like you were aware of user experience. Could we talk about it or the customer journey or, or the client experience early yeah. on? How else did that influence what you do in your business now? Because I think that's super cool. Yeah, I mean, well, that's a, that was a big thing for me. I mean, industry-wise, there are a lot of 
um, firms moving towards more fixed fee services for legal services because I just found with the traditional model you literally have to account for every minute of your time when you're in private practice and when you're giving those estimates to potential clients you're saying look I think it'll take this long but if they ring and ask questions or if you spend a bit more time working on something than you thought then you have to bill the client for more than what you initially initially told them um, you know, and sometimes I just found that was not desirable for the client, but it was also stressful as a lawyer because, you know, you've done some work and then you don't want to have that kind of argument with people. But I think that one of my main drivers as well was that it didn't really um, encourage clients to have that open communication because sometimes people were fearful of oh, if I ask this question, is it going to be considered like a stupid question and I'm having to pay extra for it? So, you know, there's definitely work that I do that because I've been doing it for the length of time that I have, I know, you know, what that service is worth basically. And I just wanted to be able to say to people as a business owner, you need to know what your costs are upfront, I think, um, so it's just good for people to go, okay, I'm going to do this service. This is how much it's going to cost. It's like if you if you do go to a personal trainer or you're getting someone to do your branding, you want to know how much it's going to cost, mm. um, you know, upfront. I think legal services kind of comes into that now. People just want to know what is the outlay mm. um, when they're doing that. And But like I said, it's more just to have that open discussion as well that, it's a collaboration. It's so you can ask questions because part of it as well is that I want to be able to help people understand what we're doing. Um, it's not just, here's a document, go off and try your best. It's a bit of an education process as well. So you can, you know, confidently talk about it or, you know, if, if someone comes and questions the document, you can, you've got that knowledge behind you. Um, mm. So I think, yeah, that was, it just opens the conversation a lot more. Mm, I love that. So by creating an engagement that's comfortable and is open in dialogue, they relax. If say I was the client, I would be more relaxed. And then from that position of being more relaxed and open, then you can start to teach me a little bit. And so when I walk away from the engagement, I'm happy with the service, but I'm also more switched on and more educated around the thing that we did, but none of that could have happened if it was a super high stress environment. And I'm sure, I'm sure not all other law is that way, but you've created something from the very first touch point or the first engagement that feels, um, that feels comfortable, you know? Yeah. Um, is there any other way I know I've, interacted with you a little bit on Instagram or people will ask and I'll point to your page and things like that. And that doesn't strike me as probably something that would be super common in, in old school traditional law. And I love that. I think that's, that's cool because there's so many business owners who are using these social platforms for communication. But are there any other things in your business across your delivery or engagement or marketing or whatever, or sales or any other thing where you've changed uh, or adjusted what you do to meet these business owners where they're at in terms of 
creating that type of environment? Yeah, I think social media was a big one because there weren't a lot of um, law firms that are using social media just use it in a very, uh, I guess it's almost just a business card type of way, if, if I can kind of use that analogy, but they might just go, we do this service or um, this is the type of service we do. And I, I didn't want to have my Instagram or social media like that. I wanted to use that as a way to tell people information that might be helpful for their business. Because the thing is that I don't think that lawyers should be the gatekeepers of information. It's not we're living in an age where you can Google anything. And for me, it was just letting people know, you know, this can help your business. Because if someone does need that you know, specialist help, then they know that there's a lawyer that can help them. So I guess it was to help people at least have a starting point um, of things that are legal issues in their business that mm -hmm. they can, you know, have a bit more information about and might go, oh, okay, yeah, I've never thought about it that way. Or, um, you know, explaining to people, using social media to explain to people some of the key things that um, are in terms and conditions, for example, just to get them thinking about it. And, you know, a website's great for showing people who you are and what you do, but having that open dialogue that people can kind of go, oh yeah, that's really interesting. Or they might share it with a business friend. Um, mm. I just thought that was a bit more of a unique way for me to use that as a marketing tool um, and to show a bit more of my personality because you don't really get to see that from a website. Um, and unless mm. someone's, worked with me before you're not going to know anything about me <laughs> until you actually decide to call to call and I think that getting to that call for a lot of people is a bit scary so it was yeah I guess two things was to show a bit more of me on there um, my personality but also to yeah be helpful and give information that might help businesses. I noticed when the uh, you've been doing this consistently However, I first noticed it in the first, uh, earlier on, like we're in, I, I don't know what, 18 months or something of off and on lockdowns around Australia. And I noticed that earlier on you were presenting helpful information. So listening to the market and coming in and, and it was almost like you were coming in in a way that uh, felt very calm and it was um, helpful, but without like pages and pages of details. And I remember it was like, oh, this is actually really cool. It, you you would drop a little piece of content around, you know, if your business is um, experiencing a downturn, here's what you need to know, or are you eligible for certain things? Here's what you can look at or these types of things. So uh, I guess my question out of that, it, well, firstly, I, I wanted to say, acknowledge and say it was really good and well, really well done. And I think really empathetic to the market. And then secondly, uh, how do you think about content then? Are you listening to questions and then you go, oh, that's a great idea? Or how do you how do you come up with these things? Um, obviously, that's a big one. But how do you sort of generally come up with the stuff for, um, you know, to keep in tune and, and bring that into your own marketing? Yeah, I think it comes a lot from, apart from global pandemic issues, which yeah. are pretty... Pretty clear. Easy to identify as... Um, quite good for content or useful content. Um, a lot of it is based on discussions with 
past clients. And it might come from, you know, when I'm going through, we're having a Zoom meeting to go through um, a document with them, they might go, oh, okay, that makes sense. I never knew that's what that meant, or I never knew I could do that when we talk about something. Um, and then, you know, inevitably it kind of pops up a couple of times because, you know, it's not, it's common knowledge to me, which I sometimes forget <laughs> that, that, you know, not everyone knows um, the things that I've learnt over, you know, a decade or so of um, being a lawyer. And then it, yeah, and then that helps me kind of go, okay, well, a couple of people have mentioned this now, you know, that might be good to just go, have you thought about this? You know, this is what this type of document does. So, um, yeah, that will kind of guide how I do my content as well. What else you find to be helpful for your business from a marketing perspective? I know you, uh, I think you and Ruby met offline at, a, at an event maybe. Um, what else do you do? Is it, is it networking or the other things that you find helpful from a business side of things? Yeah, I, I really like in-person networking. Um, I guess that came from, you know, in the legal industry, it is quite common, you know, it's encouraged for people to get out and do networking events. So I had that experience as soon as I left uni being, you know, sent off to different networking events, events and trying to make small talk and meet people. Um, so I was lucky in that sense that it was kind of almost an expected part of the job, but I do actually really enjoy it. Um, and so much so that I was, I became a, a committee member of a local networking group called Gen Collective because I'd been to lots of their events in the past as a young lawyer. And I just found that, you know, it's nice to have local networking events that you can go to and meet people at all different stages of their careers, whether they're business owners or senior level, um, and just kind of make connections. And I never went into, you know, I never go into in-person networking events expecting, oh, that person's going to give me work or, mm. um, you know, this is an instant connection. It's not about that for me. It's just about meeting new people and, um, you know, you'll come across them again maybe in six months or a year and it's just nice to have that past connection. So I think it's, yeah, and, and now with social media, you can meet someone at an event um, follow them on social media and you can maintain that connection as well, which is really nice. Um, but yeah, in-person events, I do miss them <laughs> because we can't do them at the moment, but um, I guess that's another big part and of what I do as well. Yeah, I love that. And I really like the idea of using both of them together. Um, I'm a big, to be honest, I'm a huge believer of in-person, even if it's one person per week and the most you can do is go for a coffee or go for a walk. Uh, I think that that relationship that we can build, even if you, like you said, don't see them for six months, um, especially now we really remember those interactions. And uh, for me, it's been a, a huge thing. You know, I've been across in different countries and traveled to meet people just to spend a couple hours at the gym and still the relationship continues and it's, it's phenomenal. Um, so I, I really like that. Uh, what else is sort of lighting you up at the moment? I mean, are you particularly busy right now because of everything that's going on? Have you seen an influx into your type of work from people? 
Yeah, it's actually, um, I never have too many, I try not to put too many expectations of what is going to happen in these situations. I guess you can't. I mean, the first time we went into lockdown, um, I was helping a lot of tenants during their rent negotiations because it was obviously completely unknown. And it was the first time a lot of these business owners had even spoken to a lawyer. Um, but, you know, they recognised that this is kind of a crucial time for their business to have some professional advice to help them through that. So, um, yeah, that was really interesting that that came out of it. Um, and then this time, surprisingly, it's almost flipped to, I think a lot more people are wanting to get their terms and conditions sorted. <laughs> because I think a lot of people have been winging it you know, which is fine. I'm all for, you know, people doing whatever they can at that point in time in their business. But I've noticed a lot more people going, yeah, I want to kind of future-proof my business a little bit more, understand what I can and can't do, um, you know, in terms of legal obligations. So, yeah, it's kind of flipped to last year, people kind of putting things on pause and just wait and see. Whereas this time, a lot of people are more, I want to get this sorted now because... Mm you know, we might be in this position for years, mm. you know, or not, but they just decide, you know, they've realised that that is actually a really important part of their business is how they are engaging with their clients and making sure they understand their rights um, from the business owner side as well. It's almost like after being shaken around for a year plus now, we're all collectively like trying to tighten everything up and, We've noticed this as well, like a lot of people, it might just be in a message or a question or something, but they'll be, you know, all of a sudden really wanting to get their business going online or, or you know, lock in their marketing or whatever it is in their business. And uh, I think, yeah, like future proofing, but it seems like there's almost this general, well, I need to get, I need to get all my T's crossed and I's dotted and whatever it is so that everything's nice and clean because there's so much sort of chaos that anything I can do to tidy things up inside my own home, so to speak, seems to be really helpful and almost gives me a little bit more peace of mind. Do you feel that after you work with people and help them through terms of conditions or these other things, is there like that mental, um, I wouldn't say relaxation, but like, do you feel that there's a, 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 a calmness or a confidence that they get throughout other areas of the business just from tidying these things up? Yeah, definitely. Because, you know, I kind of see it as it, it's a it's when you start engaging with your clients, that's when, you know, the terms and conditions are part of that. You know, it shouldn't be something that you kind of hide away from people. You should be saying, hey, if you want to work with me, this is how you work with me. You know, most people will have a sales page or um, a discovery call where they're talking about what they do. And this is just an extension of that. And when people get their terms and conditions done and they've had it explained to them, it just, they just kind of add it to their sales process mm. and go, this is what happens with payments. This is what happens if you want to cancel. You know, you just make it very natural as part of that process. And for the business owner, you're not having to constantly go, oh, can I actually do that? Can I actually charge this? What happens if the client does this? You're not having to kind of respond and react to every question. Mm. You can just 
almost automate that part of it now because you can be consistent in all of your dealings with your potential clients, with your current clients. Um, so yeah, you can kind of turn that part of your brain off a little bit because mm. you've just got this baseline of how your business will will run. I think that gives people a lot of yeah confidence and peace of mind as well. I love that how you mentioned your terms and conditions as an extension of almost the onboarding process or part of the the user experience, um, which I, you know, I had never thought about that actually before speaking to you. And it makes total sense because every other touch point we put a lot of focus on and still in my mind, that terms and conditions was compartmentalized over into legal speak. But from what I'm picking up, like you can actually come in and I'm sure you work with people to do this, but to artfully deliver the terms and conditions. So it's like almost more exciting for the people to be a part of your business. Yeah. I think that there's obviously going to be some legal, the legalese, you know, Mm. in terms of there's very legal clauses in there usually, but most of the terms and conditions is yeah, just how you're going to work with the client. And I think once people um, kind of hear that and go, I can make it part of the process it doesn't become as scary because I think a lot of people think, oh, TNCs, it's just the box I need to tick. You know, um, it's like, you know, the terms and conditions when you sign up to Apple updates, you just, no one reads them. But there's a lot of potential clients that do want to know all of those things, especially if they're investing in you as a a service provider, whether it's coaching services, you know, they want to know what happens if they change their mind or what happens if there's something that comes up in their life that's going to affect this. You know, they want to know those details. So knowing that from the legal perspective and kind of bringing all of that information into, yeah, the onboarding process, um, it is all, yeah, tied together. Now, I don't know in your industry, and obviously you would have uh, your own certain ways of going about this, but would there be any, not case studies, or would there be any examples of businesses that you've worked with or types of businesses even that have come to you and, and maybe they were confused on terms and conditions or certain things weren't working and through the work that you did, what sort of changed for them or what type of, um, you know, what types of things that you've worked on with people recently that have been really inspiring for you and, and worked well for them just so that I'm thinking people who are listening might resonate and obviously, you know, you'd be the great person to talk to if it does resonate. Yeah. One thing that I'm always surprised um, at when I speak with with business owners is, um, and they might not see this as a kind of legal aspect at all, but it comes around payment and, you know, I guess people just think, oh, I'll take a 50% deposit or this, you know, I'll take this as a deposit because that seems to be an industry standard or um, whatever they saw someone else do on their terms and conditions. But it's really um, looking at it from a business perspective and, and getting them to think about, okay, well, what are your costs? So if you're a photographer or a website designer where you're taking part payments, um, what costs as a business owner do you need to cover at each stage? It's not just about what everyone else in the industry is doing, um, you know, there's actually, yeah, real business um, 
implications behind that. It, you've got to think, okay, well, what are the stages in my creative process? You know, what am I doing first? Am I planning? Am I doing these things to cover those costs and help your business from the cash flow perspective as well? Um, because I think a lot of the times we want to help clients and we just think, oh, this is what everyone else does. But it might not necessarily make sense for your business. Yeah. And I'm always surprised at the number of times people people say to me, oh, wow, I never actually thought about that. Like, that's silly. I don't need to charge this much for this deposit. Like, I can do it this way because this is, you know, the natural points in my creative process of where I'm mm. spending the time. Um, so that's always, yeah, interesting to me how they kind of think about that um, part of it. And the other one is always... Um, I tend to get a bit of a pause when I ask this question. I, I always ask business owners, like, tell me about your business. Like, what do you do from start to finish? Mm -hmm. You know, when you speak to a client, how do they come to you? What do you tell them? Um, and sometimes people are going to be, why do you, like, why are you asking this? Like, do you care? I've never been, like, they probably don't expect that a lawyer is going to ask about their business, I guess, yeah. a little bit. Um, but for me, it's to kind of really think about, okay, well, these are, the, these are the steps, the natural progression in your business and when you're working with people. So then I can really identify those, yeah, legal risks or places where they can kind of protect themselves. Um, like the payment example, you know, when should they naturally be kind of taking payments based on what they do? Um, and what are the, the actual services that they're providing? Are they thinking of expanding their services? Because you might not always be thinking about that at this point in time. So, um, yeah, I don't know if that was probably a bit of a roundabout way of answering it, but I think mm. it's yeah, kind of yeah. getting people to think about their business from a bit of a outsider perspective. Yeah. And having your own small business obviously puts you in a great position to have that empathy and, and ask these questions because you have a pretty close relationship with it yourself, huh? Yeah. And I think, I mean, part of the reason I ask what they do, you know, all the questions about the business is because I'm also interested <laughs> just as a business owner. I always find it interesting to talk to people about how they got into business, what they love about what they do. So yeah, there's personal interest in it as well, but it's definitely related to what I'm doing is from the work side. Yeah, cool. Well, that was really, really helpful. I learned a lot in this conversation. Um, and I think a lot of people listening, I definitely have had more I guess, dialogue with people with their thinking about this stuff. So I'm not sure whether you're doing amazing marketing or whether it's just on the minds of more people, you know, like we spoke about, but a lot of people are asking about terms and conditions and, you know, looking to, to tighten this stuff up as well. So I think a lot of people get value from what you shared today. Is there anything else coming up for you that people need to know about or things that you're excited about in your own business or just generally? Nothing. I don't have any big plans at the moment. I think um, just wanting to, yeah, I guess get a bit more content out there to people to, to talk about those changes really, because I think I've realized that people don't want to necessarily, necessarily hear about um, limitations of liability or, <laughs> force majeure clauses in social media marketing. But yeah, they want to know what is the benefit of having this in place and how is it going to help their business? So yeah, I think I'm just wanting to help more people think about it in a different way. 
through through marketing at the moment. So just focusing on, yeah, changing the way I kind of do that messaging and and hopefully getting people to think about it a bit more. So less numbers and nuts and bolts and more, hey, this is why it's important. This was what it can allow you to do. Uh, this is how this stuff sits in your world kind of stuff. Yeah. Yeah, cool. Well, that was really, really great. Thank you so much for taking the time. I know a lot's happening for you uh, probably most of these days lately. So I really appreciate that. And where's the best spot for people to find you? Probably online, I guess. Yeah. Um, Instagram probably is the most active place that I'm on for social media um, or even just email, um, you know, Email is a great way to get in touch with me as well or call or book in a call. I've got, you know, you can book in, you don't even have to talk to me, make an appointment. You can just book in a time. And um, yeah, I like to kind of have that option for people to, to call as well. Okay. So Instagram is, is it Cardillo Law? Yeah. At Cardillo Law. Yeah. And yeah, my email is just emilia at cardillolaw.com. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And then cardillolaw.com.au website. Yep. Great. And we'll put those in the bottom of the show notes if you're listening to this episode. And if you are listening and you enjoyed it and you enjoyed uh, hearing about Amelia, uh, even if you don't have terms and conditions questions or something like that right now, but you know of another business owner, forward the episode along because it's just a great really healthy conversation to get started. And I can say from a business owner's perspective, even if you're not going to action this or they're not going to action this today, getting comfortable thinking about it, getting comfortable talking about it, I think that's the that's the really important first step. And then it makes it really easy to cross the bridge when the time's right or when you need something um, kind of done. Yeah, definitely. Awesome. Thank you. We'll see you soon and have a wonderful week. Thank you.